You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. Christmas is special, man. I love it. Um, our, I think our culture really nails kind of the, the spirit, it, you know, even without Christianity and the gospel, right? Like for 20 years of my life, Christmas was magical. Uh, but then by God's providence and someone being a good, um, yeah, just witness to me, my sophomore year of college, I, I had my first Christmas where it was like not just magic, it was real, you know? And there's a reality to Christmas. Like Jesus is either absolutely the king that was supposed to come, or he's like borderline wicked and is king over nothing, right? Like there's something we got to grapple with in Christmas, and I'm excited to just grapple with another part of that this morning as we look at another Christmas carol. So yeah, Critter gave it away, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And so if nothing else happens today, I definitely want to tell you what Harking is and who Harold is, because that was like my first two things I had to Google. Um, I think my favorite Christmas, no one asked me, no one did howdy time with me, but I think Mary Did You Know is up there. Like, there's some absolutely killer lyrics in Mary Did You Know. What, what was the one we were saying? Uh, the, the son that you delivered will soon deliver you. That's just amazing. That's just good stuff. But that's not on our list, so take it up with Critter. Um, another public service announcement. The World Cup final is right now, so yeah. Wow, a lot of cheers. I feel like if you really cared, you wouldn't even be here. Um, so that's probably some of the people in our congregation, but Lord, we pray for them. Um, yeah. Argentina versus France. Speaking of France, actually, uh, I watched a movie last night called uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. More on that later, too, but uh, France, big part of that movie. Um, so Christmas, yeah, significant time, season in our culture, right? We, we have these, these songs that we hide away in a box, you know, and they come out once a year, kind of like your breakup CD, you know. Um, if you only had six slots in your thing, you'd probably leave a Christmas seed in there, the breakup one, and then some modern bops, and you just change the, those final three or whatever. Uh, yeah, Christmas, though, like, it is so special. We have all these songs dedicated to this time of year, and some of them have, you know, nothing to do with Jesus and the incarnation, but some of them have a lot to do, and there's just some rich truths when you look at, like, man, these, these songs were penned so long ago. And the one we're looking at this morning uh, was written by a guy named Charles Wesley, who wrote a lot of hymns, and this was penned in 1707. This was his first year of being a Christian, like of, of being saved. And so I don't know what you were doing your first year. I certainly was not writing hymns. Um, maybe that's, I'm sure Eric was. So let's sing one of those someday, huh? Um, but yeah, 1707. And I, I just love the simplicity of this song. It, it zooms in for us on a moment in Luke chapter two that we're going to get to. Uh, that I think is probably my favorite part of even the, the narrative as a whole as you look at Christmas, right? That Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, it's a carol about angels singing, but not just angels singing in general, but a specific moment in time when angels sung about something specific, right? Psalm 19 is one of my favorite psalms, and, and there's this, the opening line of it, right? The heavens declare the glory of God, and, and the expanse proclaims his handiwork. That's, that's talking about general revelation, right? Because it goes on to say there's no words, you know, the voice isn't heard, but if you just look at the heavens, you, you can't not get caught up in some sort of awe and wonder. We've all had that moment, right, of like, how did I get here? What is this place? 
and, and that's this general revelation that's been written on our hearts. There's, there's a creator to this, this thing. But this passage we're going to look at is, is a different kind of revelation, right? People talk about it as special revelation. When the heavens legitimately opened and words were said, and it's very, very rare, right, in, in Scripture and in the course of human history, but that's what we get to look at this morning. So what is Hark? Who is Harold? Let's journey through uh, Luke chapter 2 a bit together. If you got your Bible, Luke 2 verse 8 is where this scene in the Christmas narrative really begins. So I'm just going to walk through it slowly. Um, but you, you're probably familiar in, in big picture. You know what happens. Uh, angels show up and proclaim something to a group of shepherd, shepherds that changes everything for them. Um, and so hopefully by the end it, it changes at least something for us. Luke 2 verse 8. This is what verse 8 says. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. So pause in the same region. This is the region where the birth of Jesus has just happened. So notice it's just like a nearby. Like there's some, I picture like the same region, meaning there's this stable where Jesus is and then there's a field. And that's where these shepherds are, keeping watch over their flock at night, right? Jesus is, is Sometimes right next door and you don't even know it, right? Maybe like there's that person you think is so far from God. This is me. Jesus was knocking at my door sophomore year of college. I had no idea. But, but who, however far gone someone is, Jesus might be in the same region as them waiting to just show up. And there's going to be a powerful show up moment for these shepherds, right? Shepherds are acquainted with the dark, right? They're acquainted with things people might be scared of. You know, they're out at night fighting off wolves. That, I don't know. Not like a high calling, but also kind of a high calling, like not just anyone can be a shepherd. It's not really like a, a, a celebrated role, uh, but it's an important one, right? So you got the, these shepherds out in, in the night, and, and why does God, he's about to show up to these shepherds in, in a really powerful way, right? And this is so in line with the Christmas narrative of these nobodies getting access to the things of God first almost, Right, that you don't, there's no room at the end, so they go to the stable. Not King Herod sitting at his dinner table, not Caesar out in his, his garden, right, where God's going to show up and be like, hey, I have news. Shepherds in a field at night, no one around. It's not the, you know, president sitting in her office, it's the college students out playing frisbee at, at one in the morning. Critter said it's the garbage men out at 4.30 picking up trash. Boom, first access to news that's going to change the whole world. Janitors, not kings. This is, there's, there's something that's like weird in this, right? Like what is God doing? I think Tim Keller puts it best in, in what he thinks God is up to with this whole idea of the, the lowly, the unexpected, you know, at, at play here. God even becoming like us. Is it just that God like prefers the underdogs? You know, would you rather have Morocco in the final than Argentina and France? No, I think God's telling us something about salvation itself, is what Tim Keller would say. Like, there's something about salvation in the Christian gospel that it's for the weak. It's for the lowly. Every other religion is like, you gotta, you got to be strong enough. you got to achieve something, right? Enlightenment. That's on you. If you don't come to the Christian Christ, lowly, humble, meek, you miss him. That's what I think all this is, is kind of painting a picture of. It's, it's so essential to salvation. Okay, we can keep moving. Verse 9. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
rightfully so. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now we'll get to that uh, news in a second, but here we, here's uh, kind of the introduction to our, our, the title of our carol, right? Hark the herald angels sing. Here's an angel. Herald's not his name. Obviously, herald means messenger. Uh, shout out Omaha World Herald. That was like all I knew growing up as a newspaper. Um, great newspaper. Herald just means like messenger. I've, I bring something. I bring news primarily. Hark means listen up. <laughs> Pay attention. So hark the herald angels sing. It's, you have these herald describing the angels, these messenger angels, and they're saying listen. And they're going to give us a, a message, Right? Have you all ever encountered uh, an angel? Or like, think you did? I, I actually do have a moment that was pretty recent in life. That it's, I'm being slightly facetious, but legitimately I've told people about this because it was wild. Uh, we did Salt Company last semester in the spring. We did like a panel. So we brought my literal living room couch onto the stage at the warehouse and we did like, yeah, a panel. But then I didn't think about how I was going to get the couch home because I had somebody in the middle of the day that was able to get, get it to the warehouse. But I got home with this thing in my truck at like 11.45 at night. And I'm just in my driveway and it's pretty cold. And I'm like, how am I going to get my three-seater couch inside by myself? Sydney's passed out asleep. You know, she's got school the next day. And I'm just like, I just have to be a man, you know, and, and just do this. I don't know. I, I can't let it get due on it. This is our couch. So I like legitimately pull it out to the back, you know, I unrash the strap, but I pull it out to the back. I like start to tip it down, not having a plan from there. And this dude just shows up right next to me. And he's like, hey man, can I give you a hand? And I was like, you, yes, you absolutely can. Like that would be for sure awesome. And so this guy, he just like takes his backpack off, sets it down, he grabs one end, just like he knows he's supposed to, like he's done it a million times, walks into my house like he's walked into my house a million times, puts it in the spot, you can, our door's open, literally you can see my wife in bed, asleep. And I'm like, yeah, that's my wife, like, I, I forget the guy's name, which I think is classic angel movie stuff. Um... And we, we, I literally am just like profusely thinking this guy, and I'm just, I'm glowing, you know? He's not glowing, I'm glowing. And... I'm like, dude, like, why are you passing my street at 11.45, you know? This is some miracle on hillside stuff, right? And he's like, I, I just was leaving work. I'm like, no way, like, where do you work? And you walk every day? I've never seen you before. And he's like, I work at the church, the Presbyterian. I'm like, this is crazy. You're, you're, he's a janitor at the church. Yeah, that's some angel <laughs> occupation, if I've ever heard it. So anyways, I've told people this. It was like this crazy gift. I was like seriously blown away. And so that guy to me, if I ever met an angel, is an angel. Shout out. You know, he's not an angel. He's a human, I think. He's out there somewhere. Appreciate you. Now, angels, this is, angels in scripture, they, they primarily are doing two things. They're constantly praising and worshiping God. They give us a great picture of that. But then occasionally, they're these messengers, right? This is the herald language again. The angels can be messengers and ministers to, to people. In Job 38, is a, one of the only other times you see angels referred to as singing. They're singing at the creation of the world. And I'm pretty sure this guy wasn't an angel because I was prepping for this. I was bummed out. But I, I noticed just this pattern, right? In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel shows up um, to Zechariah. 
John the Baptist's baby daddy, and he's terrified, right? Mary plays it a little cooler when Gabriel shows up to her, but still, she's deeply troubled. Now you got these shepherds out in the field. One angel shows up at first, terrified. So I realized, man, I was so happy the moment I met my angel that there's no way it was a real angel because I should have been terrified. You know, so if you, if you ever think you see an angel but their first words weren't, weren't don't be afraid, it probably wasn't an angel. That's just my filter I'm going off nowadays. Okay, here's, here's what angels do. They, you know, this is the, the, an instance when God's going to send an angel and about, we're about to see a multitude of angels to proclaim something specific to a specific group of shepherds. <clears throat> and their, their terror is going to move to glad tidings. Verse 11, here's that message that the angels came to proclaim. Verse 11, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Three titles right in that verse. A Savior, a Redeemer. It's Old Testament language. The Messiah, the Anointed One. Old Testament language. The Lord, which either mean like Lord as in like Caesar, but also most common word for like Yahweh, God. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly... There was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. More angels, right? I kind of think this first one showed up just so they wouldn't be like totally like just dead, you know? But there's terror and then there's this, there's this message and then there's more angels just adding glory to this message, Right? Singing, glory to God, based on what he just told you, right? This, this promise, even, that if you're shepherds, if these shepherds at all are familiar with some of the Old Testament prophecies, Micah 5 may be the best one. These are shepherds in Bethlehem, right? In the same region. Here's what Micah 5 says. Bethlehem, you are small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity and his, his time from ancient days. Therefore, Israel will abandon, be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And he will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God. They will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Okay? That's long, long, long before Christ. And here it is in Bethlehem. An angel shows up and he's saying, today, today. Messiah, Savior, Lord, born right over there. And then glory. Right, I mean, I imagine just being those shepherds. And their, their message, right, that they're singing is glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people. Glory and peace. Those things don't really go together when you think about it, right? Like, if God is really holy, 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 then a guy like me and him, it's not just peace, peace, peace. Right? I know I've messed up. I know I don't deserve to be in the presence of a heavenly host of angels singing God's praises for all time. Glory and peace don't go together, but here they are in this song. I think we mess it up too when, when, we, when we mess up these prepositional phrases, right? Like, glory to God and peace on earth to people. Sometimes we can get the gospel mixed up, right? We can, we can almost try to appease God, right? Make it peace, peace to God and glory on earth, right? That's what religion does. Religion gives me glory. 
when I'm really good at appeasing who I think God is and who he wants me to be, then, then that's, a, that's a glory steal, right? But I think that, that puts me at peace with him. That's not. Jesus came to, to flip that right side up, right? He's saying, yo, you can have glory and you can have peace, but it's got to come from a different source. Glory is not just going to spring up out of the earth. It's got to come into the earth. That's what this song is about. This is where I think the hymn um, colors in some things beautifully, if we want to throw those words up. This hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I mean, it's just focused on this specific moment, right? And just what does it mean? What are they singing about? Right? We don't have any more words besides glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors, but as you read the Gospels, you figure out what is, how does this peace and glory coming together? And this is what I think Charles Wesley captured beautifully in some of the lines of his song. We're going to sing it at the end, but I just want to point out a few verses. You know, the, the what of this, this public service announcement, if you will, right? That's what's happening. God's like, I got a public service announcement for the whole world, and I'm going to start with these shepherds. What is that announcement? I think the best one-liner of that announcement in Charles Wesley's hymn is God and sinners reconciled, right? That's what reconciliation, that's glory and peace, being able to stand hand in hand. In order for glory and peace to mix, you need this very Christian idea of reconciliation. This is where 2 Corinthians 5 never gets old. That's where embassy gets its name. There's this word reconciliation in there time and time again. Here's, I'll just read it briefly for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How? Why? He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's peace, reconciliation, sinners and a holy God. Another line in this, this hymn that I love, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Old time language, right? But basically, behold God veiled in human flesh. Look at God as a human infant. Crazy. Incarnate. That's just this idea of being embodied in the flesh or found in human form. You realize this was the only way we could have even seen Jesus is if he was veiled, right? Every other time someone like sees God, they just fall on their face. They can't even look at him. Usually there's angels, right, singing. But Jesus veils himself. This is the, this idea of the virgin birth. That's even crazy, right? But why? Like, why couldn't he just been born of two human parents and, you know, God imparted himself onto Jesus that way? It's like, well, that, it, would, it would leave us questioning, right? Is he really God? But why can't he just be, why, why, why need the human element at all, right? Because there's, there's something about him actually being our sacrifice, him actually understanding our ways, him actually being the perfect substitute. It's this, this beautiful, if this, this whole scene is heaven touching earth, that is Jesus, right? That's what the end of the Bible is too, heaven and earth coming together as one again for all eternity. 
the incarnation is, is what Wayne Grudem says, it is, it is by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible, far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing than even the creation of the universe itself. Far more amazing than the resurrection or even creation. That the infinite God could become a finite human being and, and veil his glory. <laughs> Now I want you to see that this public service announcement, it's not an announcement like an announcer makes at a basketball game, right? God is not calling like our jersey number saying, yo, get out there, shepherds. It's not like a, I'm gonna, I'm getting ready to do something special in you guys. No, Jesus is the only star of the show here. Glory to God is not a motivational sentence. Christmas is, is wildly sobering and that this is what I needed to happen for me to have true joy, true peace, to be invited into true glory. I can't get that. Nothing brings God more glory than the gospel, than, than actually being able to provide peace to those who were once his enemies, right? That's this news. Nothing gives God more glory than seeing people he loves and cares for but have no ability to love and care for him actually get changed actually be able to dwell with him again. This was the only way. Some implications even in, in the hymn. Why was Jesus born? Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Jesus was born into our likeness so that we could actually be born again into his. And, th- and that's this announcement that I don't want you to miss. But then what happens? We're not done with our passage. Verse 15 When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, and Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Okay, so you have this moment, right, where the angels go disappear, and it's just the shepherds in the dark again. <laughs> you imagine? Like, what do you say? It's like, well, we better go see if that's real, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm just picturing being there with my bros, and it's like, I don't know what just happened, but this, we better go to the, the stable, <laughs> you know? I just love it. So they hurry off, and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby, just as they've been told, and they tell Mary and the, whoever's there with them, what happened, and Mary starts treasuring this stuff up in her heart, right? Mary wasn't there when the, when the angels appeared and sung this song, but she's being told the same things that the shepherds just got told, and she's treasuring these things up in her heart. It's, it's even pretty probable that Luke, who's writing this, got the information secondhand or thirdhand from Mary, right? Like, this is how it happened. This is what went down. These shepherds came. They said, this is what happened. Luke now writing this gospel that we're still reading. Charles Wesley writes his hymn based on this same account. What's happening here? The news that's been heralded from heaven to these shepherds is being heralded again, right? We don't... I think something you need to see about this, this passage is... 
Like, we don't have it in us to storm the gates of heaven and be set free, but luckily God has it in him and has had it in mind since the beginning of the universe to storm the gates of hell and set us all free. Like, that is what Christmas is. It's this invasion into, like, normal life, right? The shepherds just doing normal life and boom, Christmas. <laughs> has Christmas invaded your life in that way? Has Jesus invaded your life? Because it's not really this invitation, like, hey, Jesus, come be a part of my life. It's like, no, he's inviting you into something crazy, that you cannot attain. So Christmas is this invasion in, into normal life, right? This beep, beep, beep public service announcement as Christ invaded your life. But I also think Christmas, once we see it for what it is, we, we, it's interesting, right? Because we return to normal life. You know, like the shepherds, they just go back to shepherding. I think sometimes we, we get so high and mighty on like ourselves and what God wants to do through us. It's like how I need to change like everything about my circumstances, my like vocation maybe needs to change. And it's like all this external stuff, but it's like, no, God wants to do something crazy on the inside of you so that you can go back to normal life, just a completely different person. And that's how he wants to change everything. They went right back to being shepherds, but they were totally different based on what they had been told about and seen. And so what I want to get us to is, is the main application this morning for those of us who have, have heard something. It's not that we would just hear it again this Christmas, although that is for sure like what's necessary, right? In order for us to join the triumph in the skies, we need to know what they're triumphing about. <laughs> like we need to know the news and we need to let it flow out of us. But as it flow out of us, that's when we become heralds too, right? Like a church full of heralds. Well, that sounds funny. It's, it should. If it helps you remember it, great. Everyone in here gets a new name. Sons and daughters of God, absolutely, but also Harold. A bunch of heralds. What's a herald? I mean, another Christmas song, like, a herald's just someone that says, do you hear what I hear? Do you know? <laughs> do you know this about this season? How beautiful are the feet of those who Herald the good news, as Romans would put it. Human feet. Because the gospel is it's certainly more than this, but it's not less than a message. Good news. It is news. Therefore, we are heralds. A lot of people uh, that have come to Christ have had a Christian to turn to in their darkest hour, right? That's my story. Like, I just think of what would it be like to be in my darkest hour and not have not had that guy to tell me this news, to, to be herald for me. And I heard a pastor say recently uh, that one of the privileges, one of the things he loves most about being a, a pastor is that in people's darkest hours, he gets the privilege of speaking on behalf of God to them. I just thought, that's crazy because that's what I hate the most. I hate those moments, those conversations and people walking in darkness, right? But I know I got light to share with them, so I'm like, I have to do it. But the more I, I get, uh, yeah, the more I keep doing this throughout the years, it actually is a privilege. Why? Because people are harking, right? People are listening in those dark moments. And so if that's you this Christmas, you never heard, hey, you can come be a part of this thing that'll change everything for you. God would love to invade your life in that way. Awesome. But if you've already experienced that, who do you need to herald it to? Like really for me, I'm going home soon. And my family, most of them don't know Jesus. And for the most 
most of the last six years that I've known him, I've been a very poor herald to my own family. And so I just, I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach this text this morning and realize I would love to just, just herald the good news to them and let them respond just better. And I don't know when their darkest hour will come or if it will even take that, right, for them to say, wow, I get it. But it's on me to herald because who else, to my own family, right? Who would God love to use more than me? I don't have an answer. I don't know. Who in your life would God love to use you to herald the good news to? I'll share a story because uh, I want to. And we'll wrap up and sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, But I said I watched All is Quiet on the Western Front last night, and I said I'd bring it up again. So if I don't, I'm dishonest. Um, It's actually wild. I mean, it's it's pretty well filmed. I was watching it last night, and I had high ambitions to sermon prep while I was watching it, but then I found out the whole movie's in German, so if I didn't watch it, I would miss everything. Um, But just... Roll with the subtitles. It's a great movie. Unless you can't stand gore, then it's a really bad movie. Um, <clears throat> but all is quiet on the Western Front's about World War One. World War One, 17 million people died in combat. And the whole movie tracks just kind of this band of brothers as they are on this one particular Western Front where for four years they fought over about a few hundred yards. Like they just, one side would gain ground and then the other would gain ground. They, they never really made any progress and yet three million people died in this one little region. But there's a scene in the movie towards the end, the, the most joyful scene probably, even though it's a super dark movie. The pinnacle of joy is when this, this PSA comes. Right? They, they actually, the, the people that are above them make peace with each other and they say, hey, at the 11th hour on November 11th, fighting's gonna cease. And it's horrific because even at 10.45, they, the German side launches this attack and hundreds more are dying at, at the 11th hour. But then you hear it, and it's like bells are going off. People literally just drop their guns and are like, finally, we can be done with this. Like they don't, The guys in the trenches, they, the way at least the movie portrays, they don't even want to be fighting each other anymore. Like this is so bloody, so horrific. Thank God the announcement has come that it's 11 and we can have peace. So most of the time in life, PSAs are put out there when there's like really bad news that you need to know. You you must know. You must make a decision because there's bad news. But sometimes like in the the case of all being quiet on the Western front in the case of the Christian gospel and what Christmas means, there's a PSA because there's been really, really good news that you need to know. You can stop fighting and the good news does sound sweet when you're exhausted and you're tired of fighting and there's no way out of your own mess, your own sin, your own darkness, but there's hope. And that's when a public service announcement can be just delightful and can make you want to sing and can make you want to tell and invite others. So let me pray and we can do, do that. God, uh, we thank you for even just Charles Wesley and uh, just anointing you put on his life to pen words like the ones we're about to sing and just the, the rich truth that's embedded into uh, his take on this, this moment in history that's real. When you stepped down from heaven into earth, not just as a baby, but also as a heavenly army of angels to proclaim good news to some lowly shepherds. And God, uh, I just wanna resonate with those shepherds and being receptive to the news. 
it mattered so much uh, to you that you would make this a possibility, that you would send your son born of a virgin, born a human, to ultimately not just be born, but to die and to be king and to be my sacrifice. And so God, we, uh, we just wanna join the triumphant song of heaven this morning and be reminded of what Christmas means. And we wanna uh, just partake in communion and never forget until you come back again uh, with the heavenly army uh, to get us and to bring ultimate peace, shalom. God, we know that day is coming. And so until then we sing, we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.